Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God Almighty. Uh, just how many of you have the notes from last week? Okay. Um, so you got them all there? Nope. Some of you don't. But... Um, Again, just real quick, I'm just going to go over this real quick, okay? From This is from last week. The notes I didn't finish from last week. Just real quick. So I'm just going to read them real fast. God is not in control of everything that happens on the earth. I realize some people have a problem with that, but understand this. When someone gets murdered, God wasn't in control of that. Would you agree? When someone gets raped, was God in control of that? When someone bombs a building, is God in control of that? Absolutely not. So God's not in control of anything, everything that takes place upon the earth. And you've got some scriptures there that tell us Satan is the prince and the God of this world, according to Jesus. He's the one who rules in darkness over the earth. Satan is the one whose sickness is, is a bondage as far as he is concerned. And so Satan is in the sickness and disease bondage business. All right. God's in the healing business. We believe that there's a distinct difference between what God does and the devil does. Okay, since Jesus healed all that were oppressed of the devil, and since God anointed Jesus to do so, then Satan had something to do with the sickness, and God had something to do with the healing. Amen. Can we agree to that? Amen. Absolutely. Okay, in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. And guess what? Those two words, they haven't traded places. They haven't traded places. Okay? Under D, the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission. He commissioned us to go into all the world. Okay? Well, he's told believers to go lay hands on the sick. Therefore, he can't be the author of sickness and disease when he tells us to go and lay hands on the sick so they can recover. So then, how would we know who to lay hands on? He said, if they're sick, then you lay hands on them. He didn't say specific ones only. If they're sick, lay hands on them so they can recover. Okay, James 5, 14 and 15 talks about anyone. Is any sick among you? Any. Any. Well, lay, then pray over them, anoint them with all the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So it means everyone, anyone or everyone can be anointed with oil. Under E, suffering with Jesus' mentality. Suffering with Jesus' mentality is one of those mentalities that has, has to be dealt with. Well, you can suffer with Jesus, but he suffered persecution trials and tribulations and all that, but not sickness and disease until it became sickness and disease on the cross for us. And so when Paul was talking about suffering, he was talking about those things, not cancer. He, Jesus wasn't suffering cancer, tuberculosis, or all those things, okay, or any other disease. So no, he suffered persecution when he was here upon the earth. Well, uh, what about Job? Then people will say, well, Satan made him sick, not God. Well, they'll say, well, God gave permission. Well, permission is not commission. God will permit us to rob a bank if we want to, but that's not commission. Okay, and plus the fact, if you read Job, then you know he, the fear he greatly feared came upon him. And you also know this, he lived 140 more years after. After. That never comes up for some reason, though. All right? So God will permit us, again, to rob a bank if we wanted to. But you can read those verses that are there for yourself. And then also, what about Paul's thorn is another big one. You know, what about Paul's thorn? The thing that really troubles me about that is, it tells you what it was, and they still can't see it. It was a messenger of Satan, and the word messenger is angel, and that word is translated 188 times in, in, uh, in other places. 181, it's angel. Seven times, it's messenger. So it's a messenger or an angel of Satan sent to do what? To buffet him, sent to stir up trouble. Okay, and if you read those verses I have listed there for you, you will find out every one of those verses talks about people groups being a thorn in their eye, a thorn in their side, and so on. So the expression is understood. It's not a sickness or a disease like people try to manufacture with. He had an eye disease. He had this. He had that. No, he had trouble with people that were stirring up others to come and persecute him and stop him from proclaiming the gospel. It clearly says that. It can't get clearer than that. All right. And then also, um, 
God's grace was sufficient for Paul to overcome it. Jesus suffered sickness for us in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And so on. In other words, we're to believe the report of the Lord above any other report. The report of man or anybody else's report. And so that's what we're supposed to do. So finally, our attitude towards sickness and disease must be the same attitude that Jesus had. And if you think about Jesus' attitude, he came angry when it comes to sickness and disease. Anyone and everyone he found... He healed them. He delivered them. He set them free. If they just made an advance toward him, he delivered them. He healed all who were sick. Now, as we look at some of these particular incidents in the Bible, let's remember this. The Bible teaches us that if everything that Jesus wrote did was written down, the universe could never contain the books, right? What does that tell us? This is hand-selected by the Holy Ghost. To teach us specific truths, principles to live by. We're to learn from these particular incidents that are written in the Bible because they're hand-selected by the Holy Ghost to tell us some things we need to know. They're not just thrown in there. That's why some of these others weren't in there because maybe he's covered them all with these incidents that we have here. So as we look in uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 5, and this is um, the individual that was born of four that came and was healed, he had the palsy, and he was a paralytic. Okay, let's read this first of all. Uh, beginning at verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was born, uh, which was taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before, Je for, before Jesus. And when they uh, could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling uh, with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know something. That you may know what? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, rise and take up your bed and your couch and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things this day. Strange things. This doesn't happen every day. Something different has happened here. All right. Let's first of all look at our notes here. And then I'm going to share some things with you from this passage. God's miracle working power is emphasized by Luke. It was present to heal them. Them, meaning anyone. Now, if you read this in Mark 2, its emphasis from Mark is on the teaching ministry of Jesus. But of course, Luke, being a physician... The emphasis is on the healing part. The healing power of the Lord was present to heal them in that place. All right, so it was present is your first word. But only the only one that was healed was the one who released what? Faith in the power was healed. Now, this reveals to us that God's power can be present without being released is your word there. It could be present. It could be present here right now without being released. It's just here, dormant, doing nothing. It has to be released or received. It could be here, but not received. And that's important to know. This also reveals something else. And I'll give these words before again, I expound. It reveals what? Observers. Skeptics. And doubters get nothing from God. They're not the ones that got healed. In order to experience God's power, one must be humble, have a clean heart, a clear mind, and pure motives. 
Now, let's just evaluate this. Let's look this over. Did you get all those words? Okay. Starting at the beginning here, we see that he is in this house and he is teaching. And sitting are doctors of the law, scribes, Pharisees, and others. Right? Does it in any way strike you they were sitting? In that culture, it's different than here. The teacher sat. The students stood. I'm standing in our culture, and you're sitting. If I sit, I'm the teacher, you stand. Now, if you're in a house, how many, if you want to put people in this house, you're going to get more people in if they're standing than sitting. Right? This place, there's a multitude of people. Isn't it puzzling that they couldn't get in the house because of all the scribes, the Pharisees, and all the doctors of the law were sitting? And why were they sitting? They wanted the respect. They wanted to be the teachers. They wanted to find out what this here whippersnapper had to say. You didn't come from our group. You didn't go to our school. And so they're sitting wanting to be respected, wanting to hear what he had to say. And then, of course, put him in his place. Now you've got a multitude of people that are there. They're outside. They're by the windows. And they're surrounding the whole place. Not even trying to get, they couldn't even get him in anymore because of all these people that were there. It's so important. They wanted to be the ones doing the teaching, not the ones being taught. Well, what happens is, Someone, this, this fella comes, he's born of four, he can't get near the place because of the multitude. And of course, those houses were built back then. Some of them had steps that would go up to the top of the, of the house. It would be flat, be covered over, and they would go up there at night when it got real hot. They would just go up there and get a cool breeze and sleep up there and whatever. They figured, here's a way to get to Jesus. And so they go up on the top, they rip up the tile... Now imagine this, and they drop this guy down right in front of Jesus and right in front of all those teachers, doctors of the law, and so on. And Jesus saw, not his, but their faith. He thought, this is amazing that anyone would do such a thing. Man, you ripped up the hole in this guy's ceiling. You dropped him down here in front of me with all these people here, and I'm sure they're waiting for him to be healed. And what does Jesus do? Man, your sins are forget. He got their attention right now. What? Who do you think you are? Blasphemy. You're kidding me. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So what does Jesus say? I know you. You tell me. What is easier to say? Your sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? What do you think? But that you may know that you may what? That the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Take up your bed and go. And they saw it happen. See, they were without excuse. There was no reason for them not to realize who he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. Has it ever happened that way before? Has anyone ever done anything like that before? Has anyone forgave sins on earth before and said that he had the power to do so because of who he was? No one did. Oh, you could boast it, but you couldn't follow through with it. But Jesus did. And so they saw the miracle. And they said, man, some strange things have happened. This thing began to spread abroad and spread out. And people began to find out what Jesus had done. And it's growing and growing. And people are now seeing him as he truly is. Probably the Messiah. Many of them are probably believing. Is this the Messiah? Is this the Messiah? Then, of course, you got these leaders saying, man, who comes out of Nazareth? Anybody good come out of Nazareth? What do you think? Notice this. He also brings a close connection between sickness and sin. 
And if you study your Bible, you'll find out. In, in Psalm 103, he forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. You notice they're together? It's always. On the, on the cross, he bore our sickness and carried our pains. With the stripes, we're healed. And the iniquity was placed upon him for all of us. And you see them working together. Even 1 Peter 2.24, when it talks about um, him dying on the cross. By whose stripes we were healed. But who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree. That we being in the sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So in this particular incident that we have with this individual, we see different things here. We understand that these people had faith. Jesus recognized the faith. We understand that the power was present to heal anybody who would come to him by faith. But there were observers there, doctors of the law there. There were those that were religious leaders that were there. And they mocked him. Basically, we're not there. there these, some were not just observers. They probably just wanted to destroy him. And as a result, they weren't going to receive anything from the Lord. So to receive from God, our hearts have to be humble. To receive from God, we have to have faith in our hearts. To activate his power, we have to do our part to activate his power. So we've got to believe. That's exactly what they did. That's what he did. That's what all of them did. And they also contributed to the miracle. The others that brought him, the four, he was born of four, also believed. If we just get him in front of Jesus, we know we're going to get him healed. And so faith activated the power of God that brought healing into that man's life. And we see that miracle take place as a result of that. Now, when we go to this next one, the woman with the issue of blood. And once again, an issue. How many of you know that the Bible reveals to us people with a lot of issues? A lot of issues. What's her name? The issue of blood woman. And the list goes on and on. We know their situation, like this man brought his son who had a suicidal spirit. He threw himself into the fire, into the water, to drown himself or, or to burn himself up. Oftentimes, we don't know his name, but we know his issue. The man of Gadara. We don't know his name, but we know his issue. And the list goes on and on. All these different people had all these different issues. But we know this. There was somebody that dealt with all their issues. And his name was Jesus. And he was successful in doing so. But the reason I love this one, this, this is absolutely wonderful. I won't take time to read the whole thing. But you know the woman, issue of blood, 12 years, suffered many things. Of many physicians, was not better, but rather grew worse. Came in a press behind, touched his garments. She said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Jesus, knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, said... Who touched my clothes or who touched me? Probably Peter just said, well, you see everybody thronging you and you say who touched me. He says, no, no, no. Someone made a demand upon my ability. And she fell down and told him all the truth. It took her so long that Jairus' daughter died in the meantime. Because she gave all the details about the situation. But don't, don't fret. Jesus raised her from the dead. Right? So... After she told him all the truth, imagine what she said. How I suffered for all these years, many things of many physicians. And that in itself is a story. I'll just throw a few things out. But after he got done, after she got done rather, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Your faith. Now, that's interesting. He could have said, my power made you whole. He could have said, that vaccination made you whole. He could have said, that medicine made you whole. He could have gone on down the list and just said, those herbs made you whole. Those vitamins made you whole. But he said, no, no. Woman, your faith has made you whole. Now go in peace and be whole of your plague. You talk about a time to shout. This woman got her life back. We're talking about this woman had nothing to live for. An outcast, unclean. Anyone she got near, she had the crowd. She was unclean. You talk about the life that she lived of isolation. And all of a sudden, she is made whole. And just shouting the praises of God. But what happened to her? How does faith come? It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what did she hear that she didn't hear before because what she heard before from all these doctors and and that sort of thing oh my goodness if you're i've taught this before i don't have all the notes here to give you all the details because it's all this 
concoctions that they put together. This woman suffered so many things. I looked it up. She suffered. And by the way, every, every solution to the problem involved a glass of wine. A glass of wine. They said, take this concoction, put it together, this cumin and all these different things and mix them all together and put them in this wine and you take the wine and you drink it and someone stand behind her and spoof her just behold your plague and she's supposed to somehow get hold of the plague after she drinks this concoction then she goes to another one and the worst one that i saw this is this is probably as embarrassing it could possibly get remember this has a this woman has a flow of blood probably since she was who knows how young she was when it started. Maybe it just started and never stopped. She was to dig. They were to dig trenches. And after they dug these trenches, they would put all these leaves in and branches in. And she would have to go and sit over top as they light a fire underneath and sit there with a cup of wine in her hand and say, not being whole of thy plague. And guess what? I don't know what the rate was, what they charged her. She spent all that she had and was nothing better but submitted herself to all these crazy things in order to get better. So you can see that she was truly wanting to be better, right? And she was nothing better but rather grew worse. So they didn't help her at all. But they did empty her bank account. Well, she heard something. How does faith come? Well, what did she hear? Well, that should be easy for us to follow. She had to hear that if you touch his garment, you'll be healed. Because there were multitudes that touched his garment and they were healed. And who knows if maybe a relative of hers was around Jesus and saw others touching his garment and finally got a distance away from her and Aunt Mary... Whatever her name might be. Aunt, woman with the issue of blood. I just came from Jesus of Nazareth. And there were multitudes that just touched his garment. And they were all healed. Everyone, not one person went away unhealed. If you touch him, you'll be healed too. Now think about that just for a moment. Because what this woman has to do is what? She's got to violate the law. <laughs> she can't just go in a crowd somewhere. She's unclean. But she says, what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? So she got herself up. And the scripture says, if you read it in the Amplified Bible, she kept saying, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I will be whole. She had to hear that. That's common sense, isn't it? Why would she say that if she didn't hear that? So she heard that. Faith comes by hearing. And she said that. You see, you hear it. You believe it. You speak it. You say it. And then she did it. And she kept on saying it along the way. Then when she gets close to Jesus, there's a crowd there. And now she's got to stop and think, do I announce myself as unclean? Or do I just get on my knees, get through the crowd, forget about all that, and touch him? And you know what she did. She heard it. She said it. She did it. And now she got it. And after she touched the hem of his garment, can you imagine all those people that were around her thinking, dear Lord, she went right by me. She went right by me. She got close to me. She may have touched me. Do I have to go through a ceremony on cleaning right, a cleansing right now because of what she touched me? Who knows what they were thinking? But what was she thinking? If I but touch him, I'm going to be whole. It's almost like we've got to be that persistent, have the same kind of attitude that this is not going to defeat me. It's not going to stop me. Religious tradition is not going to stop me. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to throw off the chains and I'm going to go and I'm going to touch him and I'm going to be whole. So she humbled herself and never forget this. She said, if I, if I, not if somebody else, if I, she put all the responsibility on herself. Sometimes people don't like that. Remember the man that said to Jesus who was suicidal, his son was suicidal? 
If you could do anything, help us, Lord. He said, oh, no, no. It's what you can believe. It's not what I can do. I can do it all. But what can you believe? You get what you believe for. Oh, see, Jesus turned it around. And what does she do? She says, if I touch him, I'll be whole. So in your notes, this woman activated God's power with her faith. Her faith released the anointing. So the first word is activated. The second word is released. Her faith released the anointing that was transferred from Jesus into her body, even though Jesus was unaware, unaware of what was going on. This reveals that God's power is available to anyone and everyone willing to tap into it. It was there for the tapping into. It was there for the receiving. This woman was viewed as unclean, living under a curse, and not qualified to receive healing that way. Her faith made her whole. Okay, so here we have another incident. And why is this by the Spirit of God in the Bible for us to review? So we can develop that kind of faith, so that we can see how that kind of faith works. We can see the challenges that she had along the way. We can see how the battle was in the mind, which is probably why she kept saying, if I but touch his clothes, I'll be whole. If, I'm, if I but touch his clothes, I'll be whole. She kept saying that and saying that and saying that. We call that our confession of faith, our declaration of faith. And then finally, as she basically set the stage for her miracle, she followed through with it until she was, so she consummated it. Let's put it that way. Because there were obstacles along the way to stop her from doing it. But she didn't allow them to stop her. That's how adamant she was about receiving her healing. So, once again, we have this incident. And this incident tells us that even though Jesus was unaware of her even being there. I like the beauty of this. He didn't know she was there until she touched him. And when she touched him like all the others were, he said, someone touched me and made a demand upon my ability. The power went out from him. So this was genuine faith that was in operation as opposed to the touch of what? Curiosity, maybe? Who knows what the other people were there for? Presumption, maybe? I don't know. But as far as she was concerned, this was the touch of faith. He was aware when the power went out from him. So the power was there to heal them, just like it was with the other one in Luke 5. But who got healed? She did. Why? She touched him in faith. Now, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 3, we are told everything in this world that's been created by God was created of things that are not seen. Uh, those are your words. Not seen. Not out of nothing. Created from things that are not seen, not out of nothing. Well, let me ask you this. Can you see faith? You could see the action of faith, maybe that someone has, like, like he, saw, he saw their faith. But we can't see the force of faith. We can't see the power of faith anywhere, lingering around a room somewhere. We don't see it. Do we see electricity? Well, if sometimes you can see it if it's, you know, like a lightning bolt or whatever, and maybe a, a wire that's on, you know, fire and, and all that, just like we saw some of that happening, you know, when the storm was hitting and all that. We saw all that happening. But um, they're unseen things. So the, this seen world was made from unseen things. So faith is believing in something that's not seen, knowing there's power in it. God spoke the word in Genesis chapter 1 and said, let there be light, and there was light. So everything was created by something that's not seen, but it doesn't mean it's nothing. So what is it that's not seen? Well, the spirit and the word created the seen world. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and so on. Well, every created thing in point two responds to sound waves and has the capacity to hear and obey. Now think about that statement. Every created thing has, responds to sound waves and has the capacity to hear and obey. Is this really true? Do inanimate objects hear? Can they hear? If they hear, can they obey? Or will they obey? Now we're getting weird, aren't we? Well, I'll tell you what. If we're getting weird, then Jesus was weird. Because he spoke to inanimate objects. And guess what? They obeyed him. Okay, we won't turn to all these, but in Mark 11, 
He spoke to a tree and said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Walked right on by, went on his way. Went to the temple, turned it upside down. Came back out, went back home to Peter's house, got back up. Next morning went away. Peter says, Master, the tree you cursed. He didn't get a hatchet and start tearing up the roots. He didn't give it some poison or something like that to kill it. He spoke to it, a tree, and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He said, Master, it's dried up by the root. And what does Jesus say? Something profound, right? Have the faith of God. I'm telling you, whosoever will say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart that what you say will come to pass. You will have whatever you say. Wow. A mountain? A tree? We're getting weird. You really mean that? Look at the next one, the point B. That, well, that first one is trees. Trees here and obey. Next one, the wind and sea also. Again, Mark chapter 4, 39 through 41. You know the story. They're out there in the water. The storm arises. I think this time was Jesus sleeping on a leather pillow in the comforts of that boat. Don't you often wonder why he didn't wake up with the storm being so bad when they say, we're about to drown and don't you care? Notice that. That's, that's little faith. We're about to drown and you don't care. Lord, what could I'm going through and you don't care? Don't you care about me? Have you ever said that? No, I would never go there. You never said anything like that. Lord, don't you care about me? Well, he speaks to the wind. He speaks to the sea and says, peace, be still and... Boom, they come to a calm. And he looks at them and says, Oh, ye of little faith? Or how is it that you have no faith? As a matter of fact, this one was, How is it that you have no faith? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling your disciples, How is it that they have no faith? You were expecting them to speak to the wind and the sea? Where's the example for that? Where's the, where's, where's the instructional teaching for something like that? What school do you go to to learn something like that? I don't know. Did they know? But they, he spoke and said to the wind, waves, and the sea, and they all obeyed. Now, you might say, well, that's because it's Jesus, and that's wonderful. But remember, he told you to speak to a mountain. He told us to speak to a tree. Now, that's crazy. As crazy as it sounds. Look at the next one. See, Mark one twenty seven. Demons hear and obey. Demons hear and obey. I will never forget the incident in the life of my son, Jason, when I walked into his room when he was a child and he was burning up with a fever. And as I began, like I normally would do, just walk over, lay my hands on his head and pray for him. I got stopped like as if I walked into a brick wall halfway into the room and I heard these words in my spirit. As you've shown love to others, I'm showing love to you. And it's like instant, if you can understand that. It's instant, you know exactly what they do. I said, in the name of Jesus, come out. Be gone. A bird-like figure flew off the top of his brow, and I saw it fly out the window. He took a deep breath. <sighs> Fever gone, instantly healed, completely whole. Demons obey. Now, that was a spirit of infirmity. Now, not everyone is a spirit of infirmity. Someone can be sick because it's a physical thing. It doesn't have to be a spirit. We know that it's all from the kingdom of darkness, but in this specific situation, there was a spirit involved, a spirit of infirmity. I remember walking through a hospital one time and someone, I'm assuming someone died. Now, I can't give you uh, the facts exactly, but I know this. People die in hospitals. And chances are, when you walk through a hospital, somebody may have died. So I'm walking through the hospital. That's when Jason was first born. And all of a sudden, it's like a spirit hit me. I'm thinking, instantly I'm thinking, hmm, I bet you someone died and you, try, you, you want me? You want a piece of this? <laughs> like, I said, no, -uh. in the name of Jesus, get out. And boom, it was gone. Two other times this happened to me when, uh, when I first got saved and, and also when I went down to school at Ramah. 
same thing had happened where I was pinned to my bed by a demonic influence. And I, I had to, I didn't know enough back then when I just got saved. Inside myself, I kept saying, greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Over and over and over again until finally it lifted and the spirit was gone. But when I got to Rhema, I knew a lot more. And the spirit tried once again to enter into, believe it or not, it'll try to get into your mouth, your nose. I felt a burning as I just, and I sensed, it's an, you say, how do you know? It was such an evil thing. It's evil. Satan is evil. His spirits are evil. It is an evil manifestation. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, in the name of Jesus, out. Instantly, it was gone. Demons have ears and demons listen when you know your authority in him. What about this one in Numbers 20 and verse 8? Rocks hear and obey. Rocks hear and obey. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. I know I got a remedy for you. What's your problem? Well, it's a big problem. Well, what's what's the problem? Whatever the problem is, I got a solution. What's the solution? Speak to the rock. They'll put you somewhere in a straitjacket thinking you're some kind of lunatic. What are you talking about? Speak to the rock. We have yet to really fully understand the authority that God has given man on this planet. We see it in Adam in the beginning, but since we have nothing to reference, you realize an elephant can walk right up to him and and threaten him, and he'd just say, sit down. Boom, it's gone. That's how he controlled everything in the very beginning. That's how it was with man in the beginning, with full authority on this earth to exercise dominion over all the works of God's hands. And that's all they had to do, speak. You see, we've lost sight of that. Rocks obey. Look at the next one. Death hears and obeys. Lazarus, come forth. Uh, Jesus, um, can I remind you he's been dead for four days? His body's decaying. What's that got to do with it? What's that got to do with it? Sometimes can you not just kick yourself when you think that you give up or I give up, we give up too soon? When Jesus, four days, the body's decaying. Now listen, if he was only dead for one day, I can see it. Really? (laughs) Really. Maybe if he was dead for one hour, maybe. But four days when his body's decaying? Come on. Hey, a dead body listened, came back to life. Look at the next one, Ezekiel, Valley of Bones. He spoke, he said, son of man, speak to the bones. Can bones hear? Can bones hear? Obviously, right? Did they hear? Did they do what he said? He spoke to the bones. And the, the wind, can the wind hear? Spoke to the wind. And what happened? They obeyed. What about the graves? You know the story. First Thessalonians chapter 4. One day the graves are going to hear the sound of the trumpet of God and the voice of the archangel. And the graves are going to what? Open. And the dead in Christ. Can you imagine that sound? Come forth. This time it's not Lazarus only. Come forth. And every believer. Hallelujah. Their body just exits the grave and meets their spirit and soul in the sky. They heard that. That's powerful. Look at Joshua chapter 10. You can look these up for yourself. Guess what? The sun and the moon obeyed. And it's been spoken and said in those verses that it's never been heard before or after that the sun and the moon would obey the voice of a man. Wow. Is that not powerful? Sun stands still, and it stood still. Moon stands still, and it stood still. A period of a day. Amazing. Okay, next one. Psalm 107, verse 20. Angels hearken to the voice of God's word. When a child of God speaks God's word, Angels are listening. Do you remember the story with Daniel when he prayed 21 days? And when Gabriel came to him and said to him, Oh, Daniel, we know you're highly favored of God and all that. He said, but look, the moment you prayed, your voice was heard on high and I have come for your words. Is that not powerful? The the moment you prayed, it took 21 days because the prince of Persia stopped me along the way. See, there's spiritual warfare there. But Michael came, relieved me, and I came to give you the answer. So that's why we don't stop. 
we stay in our faith and believe that God has heard, his angels have heard, they've been dispatched, they are working for us, even though there's going to be interference. The next one, death and life are determined by the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Here's the problem with this. This truth is a spiritual truth, not an intellectual truth. Would to God it would have been just an intellectual truth. It is a spiritual truth and faith is of the heart. We've got to get beyond all the reasoning, the doubt, and all that stuff that just attacks our minds and let the heart absorb the fact that God's word is higher than anything that we face in this life. And so, it's determined by the power of the tongue. Death and life are the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In Luke 17 and verse 6, trees again will hear and obey us. And oh, this is powerful. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to that sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and planted into the sea, and it should obey you. Wow. He's taking us places where our brains, we just can't wrap our brains around these truths. I might be able to believe I could say up, be uprooted, but planted into the sea. Try to walk in the sea. You can't even walk in the sea, let alone take a tree and transplant it. But there's enough power in your spoken word that that tree would obey you, that it would be planted in, that, in, that, in the sea. According to Jesus. Unless he's just mocking us. I mean, I don't know. He's trying to let us know some things. Matthew 17, 20, once again, he talks about a mountain. And I love this verse. Why? Because this verse says this. If you had faith, once again, you would say to that mountain, be, remove hence to yonder place, and it would remove, listen, and all things will be possible to you. How are all things possible to us? By speaking what God said to say. And you know why? Because when you and I speak the word, we give the Holy Ghost something to work with. When we speak doubt and unbelief, we give the enemy something to work with. But when we speak the word of God over that situation, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to do what he did in the very beginning. Use his creative powers and abilities to act on our behalf, to work on our behalf. See, the Holy Ghost needs something to work with. Which is why as he was hovering over in the beginning, the face of the deep, we are told that what? Nothing was happening until the word was spoken. Let there be light. And then boom, all of a sudden there's light. Let the earth bring forth. All of a sudden, boom, the earth brings forth. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It was the word that brought everything into existence with the help of the Holy Spirit, making it a reality. The next one we already quoted, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, speak to your mountains. But it says also we must believe in our words. Did, I get, did you get all those words so far? Trees, mountains. Did you get that? Next one is believe, under C. Believe in our words. We've got to believe in our words or sound waves. You know, you could probably look this up. They're using some, some kind of ultrasound waves that are using to uh, deal with cancer. Prostate cancer and different kinds of cancers. They're saying, see, sound waves can possibly bring healing. Sound waves. If you think about that, the sound your voice makes, those sound waves spoken in faith, speaking the word of God to cells in our body or whatever, they're responding to that faith that we have. But it's not you, it's his word empowered by the Holy Spirit that does it. And this is why we get criticized for this, because it's me. It's, it's not you. It's not me. You're just doing what he said to do. That's it. When we do what he says to do, he honors his word. And so we can speak to the mountain, we can speak to the tree, we can speak to the demon, and really, according to him, we can speak to the disease. In James chapter 3, what are we told? Your whole body is controlled by the words you speak. It's exactly what it says. All right, in your notes, uh, what promotes God's power or glory? Holiness promotes God's glory. Walking in holiness before God. Under point B, praise and worship promote the glory of God. And the verses are there for you to look up. Prayer promotes God's glory. James 5.16, Amplified Bible, that tells us that the effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available 
dynamic in its working. So prayer can muster up the power of God. Remember the praise and worship of Paul and Silas when they were in prison? And they sang praises unto God in the midnight hour of their crisis. And what happened? The earth began to quake. Everyone's bands were loosed. And of course, they were praising and worshiping God as a result. And then uh, you see, again, Numbers 14, 28. If you ever remember a verse of scripture, Numbers 14, 28, when it comes to what I'm teaching tonight, what did he say? As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. God said that to the children of Israel. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. And then it goes on down. You can read a little bit further down there. And Israelites did not get into the promised land under Moses because they refused to obey God. They refused to believe God. They refused to believe that God provided angels. And so they spoke doubt and unbelief as a result and said, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers. They're like giants and we can't do it. He says, okay, as you've spoken in my ears, that's what I'm going to do to you. You will die in the wilderness. But, you know, for those, the, the, those that are 20 and up, you know, you're going to die. But those that are under that age, they're going to live. But you leaders that caused them to doubt, you die now by the plague. You talk about a plague like COVID, you haven't seen anything like this. When I looked that up to find out what the, what the uh, disease was, worms ate out their navels, their tongues and their jaws. Navel stands for heart, and this is mouth. You caused them to doubt because you believed in your heart and said with your mouth, we're grasshoppers and we can't do it. As you spoke in my ears, I will do to you. And you people that taught them that, you're the one that led them down the wrong path of doubt and unbelief. You die immediately by the plague and worms ate out their tongues and jaws and their navel. That's pretty powerful. Instant judgment fell upon them because they taught them. So I would rather teach faith than unbelief. I don't like worms. You like worms? I don't like worms. Mm -mm. Okay, we can be beggars or commanders. The choice is ours. Instead of begging God to do something about our situation, he wants us to command the situation to line up with the word. Line up with the word. When Krista and I spoke to Andrew's left pulmonary artery, when they said he doesn't have one, we asked God to give him one. And then we kept on speaking every single day to that artery. And in nine months, it grew to normal size because we didn't stop. Just kept on saying it, saying it, and saying it. We're not as proficient as Jesus is. How many of you know that? But we can learn to tap into it if we really, if we really long to do it and Apply ourselves to it. So we're going to close with this verse in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And in the Amplified Bible, in the latter part of verse 5 and then verse 6, it says, God said, I will not, I will not, I will not. Three times over. I will not, I will not, I will not by any degree. I like that part. By any degree. Leave you or forsake you. Wow, that's pretty powerful, Lord. Why are you doing that? Why are you saying that so strong, strongly to us? I will not, I will not, I will not, by any degree, leave you or forsake you, that you may boldly say something. That you may boldly say something. Well, what? See, sometimes we don't take some of these things to heart. If God said it, I can boldly say it. You realize that? See, most people, they just do what someone else says. No, no, no. Find out what God said. And if God said it, you can boldly say it. What did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Say it with me, the Lord's my helper. Say it again, the Lord's my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me because the Lord's my helper. The Lord's my helper. But yet, for the most part, we're fearing and not saying. Only way we're going to get developed in faith is we start saying what God said. And in the midst of all the adversity, we keep on saying it. He can never live. He's not going to have enough pulmonary. He doesn't have one. Blood can't get in. He'll never grow. 
We've got to get that out of our heads and start saying, but God said he would never leave me nor forsake me. Doctors, go in there and operate on him. Do what you need to do because God will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm boldly saying the Lord is my helper. Mark, you know about the Lord being my helper, do you not? Amen. When you faced your situation, the Lord's my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And what does he do? He shows up. He shows up. We got to believe. We got to say it. So we have every right to say what God said and expect God to perform is your word to perform what he said he would do. And remember, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit acting upon the word that's spoken to cause it to be a reality in the lives of those who believe it. So God, by his spirit, works with the word as the word is spoken. And if we take that to heart and declare what the word says, you know, we can bring healing into our lives as well. Whether it's casting out a devil or a demon or telling our body to line up with the word or just telling a left pulmonary to grow and thank God that it's growing. But remember this. Always remember this. This has nothing to do with you or me. You are aligning yourself with God. You are humbling yourself before God, recognizing you are incapable of doing any of this. But when Jesus said, the works I do, you shall do also, you're not going to do them any different way than what he did. How were you supposed to do them? He said, in the authority of my name, you, say, you command anything and I will do it. Who does it? He does it. So God wants us to use our voice. He wants us to speak to the disease. He wants us to put it in its place. But we have to have a foundation to believe it first. So, do you believe that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your pains? Do you believe that with his stripes you were healed? Do you believe that COVID-19 is a name above the name of Jesus? We shouldn't. So, let's all stand together and lift our hearts to heaven and ask the Spirit of the living God to take these truths and make them realities in our lives. To put a watch over our lips so that we can activate the power of God by speaking the word. So that the anointing of God would manifest to make good the word that God is to perform. And it's based on what he said, not based on what we said.